Responding in kind would make use of chants rather than rocks. It is not as though Trump and his enthusiasts have been blameless. Trump celebrates political violence. It's sort of exciting, isn't it? Aren't the Trump rallies the greatest, he said, as protesters fought with security officers removing them from an event, and fantasizes about it. I'd like to punch him in the face, he famously said of a protester. His supporters are awful, one of them taunting a teenage girl who was pepper-sprayed after shoving a Trump partisan she says groped her. Get out of here, you goddamned communist nigger lover. Trump openly suborned political violence in offering to pay the legal fees of supporters who knocked the hell out of protesters armed with tomatoes. He later lied about that episode, as is his habit, denying that he'd said any such thing, though his offer was broadcast to millions of households. But even the most hostile reporting, the Daily Beast did a roundup of incidents at Trump events in March, hasn't really found a situation comparable to what happened in San Jose. Trump fans seem to stick to Trump events rather than seek out confrontation at Sanders rallies, where the hottest action has been two topless women protesting gender, gender something, something, and getting arrested for indecent exposure. Trump's illiberalism is of a different kind, a tendency seated in the candidate himself, rather than a precipitate of his admirer's shapeless rage. Trump proposes rewriting U.S. libel law to make it easier for public figures such as himself, the only public figure he has in mind, really, to shut down their media critics with ruinous litigation. It already is actionable for a media outlet to communicate claims that are false, defamatory, and published with actual malice or reckless disregard for the truth, but Trump wants more. What that would look like is impossible to say, because Trump communicates with the philosophical clarity of a toddler who has just dropped his ice cream cone, but it seems to be that he'd like to make it illegal to violate his personal sense of fairness, which is infinitely plastic and entirely contextual other than in its concern for his interests. He has lobbied the FCC to punish broadcast outlets that offend him, as when the editor of this magazine remarked on Fox News that Carly Fiorina had verbally emasculated Trump at a Republican debate. Trump's illiberalism isn't part of a philosophy, because Trump's only philosophy is Donald Want. Like Mrs. Clinton, whose vocal support of the pre-Citizens United regime conveniently omits the fact that the legal question in that case was whether the federal government might prohibit the showing of a film critical of Hillary Rodham Clinton, he simply believes that those who oppose him should be punished, and that whatever must be done to remove obstacles between himself and power is, if necessary, then moral. Here Senator Sanders is the outlier, and he is truthful when he insists that his revolution, the word he favors, isn't about him, but about a new kind of politics and a philosophical vision. He doesn't explicitly add that that new politics he envisions is authoritarian and totalitarian, but he does from time to time acknowledge as much, gleefully imagining how the combination of a mobilized mob and an empowered federal regulatory regime could simply exclude his political opponents from the public square. They may have the money, he says, but we have the people. Their greed, he declares, has got to end, and we are going to end it for them. He proposes to do that by using campaign finance laws to effectively abolish all private electoral activity with the federal government funding, and hence controlling, the electoral process. 
Sanders doesn't want to send rioters to shut down political discourse. He wants to send the police. All of this eventually comes back to Renson, the dopey Vox editor, and his Nazis. Hollywood loves Nazis to the extent that it finds ways to insert them into films in which they have no business appearing. The Sum of All Fears, set in the 21st century, infamously replaced the book's Islamic terrorists, who seemed reasonably relevant seven months after the Al-Qaeda attacks on New York and Washington, with Nazis. Asked about that, a Hollywood executive explained that the solution is simple. No one ever complains if your villain is a Nazi. You can say or do anything in the world with Nazis, whereas if your villain is a cross-dressing serial killer who skins women, you'll get an earful from cross-dressers who are not serial killers and who do not skin women, but are nonetheless offended at the portrayal. Nazis are simple, which is very attractive.